Hello again, welcome back. Signing day eve here at earsports.com, a special edition of Country Roads Confidential. 24-7 Sports Network. It still is a special occasion. The February date will always be secondary, not an initial in December, but man, for the longest time, the tradition made that first Wednesday in February such an anticipated day for this part of the college football calendar. People who want to know the personnel and who's coming in and how long you got to wait. Man, that first Wednesday always the one to do. Not going to diminish the date on the calendar here to help me celebrate, mutedly, but still celebrate. Chris Anderson recovered from his birthday shenanigans and refreshed, ready for the fax machine. I still call it a fax machine to start spinning on Wednesday morning. Let's set the table here, Chris. Not the same, but still important, and particularly important here because West Virginia intentionally, but also consequentially, left itself some work to do on this signing day. You've talked about this, and we've kind of written about it, promising to get into more detail, which is what we'll do now. It's a quirky day tomorrow, but nevertheless, very interesting. Explain why. Yeah, I think you talked... You just mentioned before that the old first week in February used to be the, the time where we were all anticipating this big day, all the signings coming in. This was it. And December stole some of that thunder. But I feel like, man, I am, I personally am really excited about Wednesday because I think for the first time in a while, whether it's February or December, whichever signing day it is, there's some actual intrigue into what is going to happen. Um, a lot of the times we come into a signing day like this past signing day where it's, hey, you know, we know that these 17 kids are going to sign. This one kid is probably going to sign. And then maybe there's one other kid you don't know. Uh, he's going to make an announcement. It's unclear what he's going to do. And that's about it. Um, this time around, this is our first Feb- – I know we had a February signing day with Neil Brown and his staff last year, but it wasn't a real one because this was this was them coming in in January trying to scramble together to get anybody that maybe was overlooked that they knew about from their time at Troy and get them on campus. Now, obviously, they got a couple good guys from that, uh, Jordan Jefferson, uh, defensive lineman being one of them. But this time around, this is, this is their first true cycle with a February signing day, and – Combine that with their willingness and, and I want to say knowledge. I feel like most colleges know this, but they're utili- utilizing it as well as anybody I've seen. Um, this this willingness to kind of play with the numbers, uh, move guys around, come have them come in a little bit late, count them towards another class, do this and that to try to work their way around that 25-man hard cap. It, there's a lot more variables. There are guys here that, hey, I think you know, we're all in agreement that there are three spots that they can have for initial counters for this class. But maybe there's six guys on the board still or five, and maybe a couple of them are signing. Maybe a couple of them aren't. Uh, maybe a couple of them will commit and not sign and enroll later and, and count towards the next class. It's a lot of stuff going on, and I think that's why I'm excited because I, I, I'm interested to see where the chips fall. Are you surprised? Well, let's say this. The, the numbers you're talking about and the the focus that players and coaches in particular have put on the December date, uh, the numbers are, are pretty stark. Um, 80% of people pretty much signed in December. Um, 
there are fewer fish, but there are still fish available. And you figure, all right, well, there'll be a lot of time to do this. But I was looking at this before. There are there is no SAT or ACT date in between the early and late signing date, which would presumably cure a lot of these unsure cases. Is that a, a glitch in the matrix here, or is that largely irrelevant? And if you're going to wait till February, you may even have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I think a couple guys got their test scores back maybe during this break in between from a, a test they took just before the previous signing day. But there are a couple guys, and we'll talk about them here in a minute for West Virginia and for a lot of schools, that they're still waiting to get that test score right. And the next test score is the Saturday after signing day. Right. And uh, as you mentioned, nowadays with that 25-man signing cap that they also have, that schools also have, you can't sign somebody that that's an academic concern because if he doesn't make it, he still limits that class, that 25-man signing class, not the 25-man initial counter, which I know that's going to confuse some people, but it's <clears throat> it used to be you could sign somebody, and if they didn't make it academically, who cares? You could just sign somebody else. Now you can't really do that. You still have 25 people you can sign, and that's it. So you really don't want to roll the dice on an academic uh, concern unless you have a couple extra spots that you don't mind kind of rolling the dice on. So we've just given you a, a master's level education on the many gears and mechanisms that are in motion here from really the middle of December to this first Wednesday in February. A lot happening. It can be confusing. Chris, you just described some of the vernacular that, again, could be just it can, it can spin you in a knot if you're not careful. Let's step back and make this very elementary and just set the table here. Um, in December, how many players signed and are officially part of the plans moving forward? So there were 18 players who signed in the December signing period. And based off the numbers that we had before, because of this whole counting forward thing from last year with guys that came in as transfers, uh, we talked about the 25 initial counters you can have in a class. West Virginia had some of those guys that enrolled in the summer count towards this year, which limited that cap instead of being a 25 is a 22. So they could only have 22 initial counters guys that initially go on to scholarship and count towards this class of 22. And they have 18 of them right now already signed, sealed, delivered, which means they should have four spots left, but maybe more because they can enroll later. Again, I now I'm just making it more complicated. But I, I mean, am I missing something here, Mike? That's that's did I say that right? No, I think you're correct because what we are led to believe is the three they pocketed from this class for last year are Alonzo Adai, Jarrett Dagey, and Josh Groudon. What's curious there is Groudon is not on the team, so that's the investment they made in the punting position last year. It's hard to say it didn't pay off for him. He was a pretty important part of. The field position and some of the efforts for the defense. So that helped. Um, but those three guys are part technically of this year's class. So um, you won't see them on paper, but they're in the 2020 class. Um, and further to your point, they may get to 25 by four o'clock Wednesday afternoon. They might want to transfer to fit a position and be an impact player this year. Perhaps he sits out this year and he helps next year but he would count toward the 21 class. So all of a sudden, the 21 class begins at 24. Just different ways to do that. That's a long and short way to describe this, correct? 
Right. I have all, I'll continue to use the Rob Peter to pay Paul um, analogy that it, you can kind of just keep it going on forever, to be honest. Uh, just keep taking a, a scholarship or two, a, a spot or two from the next class to help build this class up and just keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. So um, I don't see why you wouldn't, especially if your numbers are low, which West Virginia's total scholarship numbers are a bit lower. So I think they're going to continue to do that for the next couple of years. And this this whole numbers game, juggling these numbers around, will be the norm. And if you think about it, they have a recruiting wing. And it's not just graphics, and it's not just analysts, and it's not just people who watch tape and put names into the yes column or the no column in their database. It really is like mathematics over there and trying to figure out. You look at this big board, and it's, it's literally a board. Um, and you look at it and say, how do we move this around to accommodate this position? this class, this number 25, um, it's constantly shifting. It's extremely confusing. And, and to be frank, I don't, I'm not like you're saying too, I'm not sure that Wednesday closes the book on the math or the maneuvering in this class. So let's continue on the, the kindergarten level here too. three spots, maybe no signatures on Wednesday. So again, this literally may not end on Wednesday. This may continue on forward, but the signing day is actually the beginning of the signing period. It goes on a little bit longer. Perhaps there's some answers before the period is over too. But um, with as much as you're willing to let out of the bag here, Chris, if our fingers lead us to Google or 247sports.com and the West Virginia page, how do we research and, and what do we look into to figure out how this 11th hour comes together? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So I, I have the target list updated on our site, earsports.com. You can scroll over to the targets, and, and I have the guys that are still the known targets for this class that are still kind of in the picture, that have visited, that have been offered or quote-unquote offered, um, guys that are committed and quote-unquote committed. Uh, and really, I now it's interesting right before we get on here, I had kind of limited it down to five. It might be more than that. Um, some information. I don't know how much we're going to share here, but you can't let that one out of the bag because that's that's again they build a wall and we found a way under or around or or the <laughs> two. So I don't want to give that one away. But yeah, pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Well, I just feel like there's there's always they always seem to be up to something and having guys on. Uh, you know, George Campbell last year, six foot five, former five star receiver, transferring. And he just happens to show up on campus one day with not a word said to anybody anywhere. Campbell hadn't even told anybody. Um, so they 
do a very good job of that, of, of getting guys on campus. So I think there is a very good chance that there has been a player or two that has gotten onto campus that has not been reported, that has been kept quiet, that, you know, yeah, they're not going to be forced to sign NDAs or anything like that, but they just don't post that they've been there. They have don't share the photos from the photo shoot. They don't tweet it out. They don't Instagram it. Uh, they don't tell anybody. And that'll happen. And that's okay. It kind of adds to the excitement for signing day. But uh, there are at least five guys that we'll be kind of be keeping an eye on, uh, some more so than others. I think a guy like Hillcrest, Alabama, uh, Linebacker Eddie Watkins is – if you had me rank the five guys that I have as top target and, and most likely to end up at West Virginia, I, I think he has got to be up there on the board. He's probably the earliest target out of this group and one that West Virginia has put a lot of effort into. Had him up for an official visit last month. Neil Brown visited, visited him at his home um, was that a week and a half ago in late January. And so they're they're still putting the forecourt press on him, even though he kind of delayed his his decision to sign and then visited Arizona and Missouri these last two weekends right before signing day. And he's he's going to announce on Wednesday between one of those three schools. And he is in a position of need and somebody that West Virginia is really pushed for. So I would definitely keep a close eye on him um, as, from that group of five. What a mixed bag there. You said Missouri, Arizona and West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. And he's from Alabama. And he's from Alabama. And his other two visits were Georgia Tech and Purdue. So he of is course. literally, what, ACC, Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, all five, all five Power Five conferences all across the country. There you go. Hey, punch your ticket. I like it, too. Uh, he's listed as a defensive end. He looks like he could be bandit, perhaps, or is he yeah, going to definitively looking at him as either a Mike or a bandit, according to what Watkins has told me in the past. Interesting, too. Um, you mentioned your top five. You didn't list anybody else. I'm assuming you're keeping that close to your chest. Uh, we'll, we got we can run down a couple of those other guys. Um, two guys that are currently on listed as verbally committed on our site. Uh, the first, the oldest name that we've known for some time is offensive lineman Jacob Gamble. He committed way back in the summer after an unofficial visit. You and I both we're at a prospect camp and saw him and his father yep. uh, walk out onto the field with Neil Brown. And I think it was just a few days later. It was, Hey, it was, I remember it was the first uh, day of my vacation and supposed anniversary trip with my wife. <laughs> and he decided to commit right then and there. And he did not sign on signing day, which obviously raised a couple of eyebrows. The biggest reason for that was he was originally scheduled to graduate in December and enroll in the spring and would have two and a half years to play to, you know, kind of get that spring practice in to try to work his way into the starting lineup. That was no longer the case. He was not going to enroll until May. And once you get into a May enrollment at the junior college level, boy, you're really looking for somebody that has a an extra year, that has a redshirt year available because enrolling in May and fighting right into a starting role is difficult. And you're not recruiting a junior college player to develop and be a backup. You need somebody that can start. And so that raises a couple questions. And he admitted at the time that he wasn't taking an official visit. Uh, he was hoping to get there in January. And as far as I can tell, and I reached out to Gamble last week, he had not taken a visit to Morgantown. 
And if that's still the case, I still th- I think there's a chance that he will not sign again on Wednesday. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes. He's obviously he's been to campus, so I don't know if he has to official visit uh, to sign. But they may be playing that by ear because they need offensive linemen that can help right away. And then uh, in Sparrow, sorry, we he committed earlier this month. Uh, raised a few eyebrows from people when there was no let's go tweets and no official commitment graphic for Sparrow. Last right. time we saw that was uh, uh, the form, the other former verbal commitment of running back, Lammy Constant. Uh, and we know what happened there. He, he no longer part of the class, didn't end up signing or staying with the team or staying with his commitment. And that was partly West Virginia's doing, mostly West Virginia's doing. And my understanding is, it's been phrased to me, is that, that Sparrow is a guy that they want, that they're targeting, but it's unclear if he'll sign on Wednesday. He might. Um, that has not been made clear, but he is considered a commitment at the moment. So he's another guy that, again, like I said, there's a lot of variables here that, that we're not accustomed to, that we didn't really see with the previous coaching staff. Let's stick with um with Sparrow for a second. Gamble, we've known a little bit longer, and we can kind of, Speak in generalities about what we do and don't know it. You've covered that perfectly fine. Sparrow's new, and that's the the shiny thing right now. We all kind of want to look at and try to figure it out. He's small-ish, and I'm not sure that's what they set out to get. In fact, what keeps sticking in my head from some of the postseason discussions with Neil Brown was that those running games at Troy had the big guy who could really wear on you and make everybody else more effective. And they don't really have that large know 225 pound back on the team and they tried some things and and you know Webb was one guy that they thought could maybe add that that bulk and that kind of brute force in the backfield Sparrow's different it's not his fault that he's this and that but he's also there at the right time we're looking what 5'9 185 but for a guy who's just learning how to play I mean he's really new to this too it looks pretty impressive and I don't know I feel like we can add some inches and some pounds because he was a pretty good high school wrestler too What's the reality on this one here? Uh, just what you said there. He's only, what, two years been playing football, two, two and a half. So he doesn't, you know, a lot of these guys, especially running backs that tend to get a lot of attention, they've been shining. And if you're talking running backs in Florida and getting a lot of attention, they've been shining since they were playing peewee ball down there because it's huge peewee mm-hmm. football. And um, the guys will be getting noticed by scouts and talked about by high school coaches and, and everybody else in the media uh, by the time they're 11, 12 years old, this kid didn't have any of that and kind of really burst onto the scene this year for one of the best teams in the entire state. Uh, a Jones high school team that I believe made it all the way to the state championship game. Mm-hmm. And Sparrow was a big part of that running for over nine yards of carry over 2000 yards. He is extremely productive, kind of raw. And I think he still has some potential, but, um, so I think the fact that he was – because the biggest year in recruiting uh, is your junior year. And right. if you do not have good junior film, if you do not have, say, that that summer between your sophomore and junior year showing out at camps and schools or a great junior year in the fall, you're going to get overlooked, period. It's going to happen. And Sparrow didn't have that. Obviously broke out as a senior. Um, so some schools kind of swooping in a little bit late. But that's part of it. Uh, grades might be a part of it too. Um, I know I'm not speculating. I have, I've heard from people who would know that, uh, you know, 
it was it's borderline, but might be okay, hoping okay. And so I don't know if he qualifies as part of that. You know, got to be careful with the academics signing situation. Yeah, Sparrow led his team to the Class 6A championship game. They lost to Miami Northwestern. I believe he had over 100 yards and like a 60-yard run early in that game too. So um, while it's new to him, it does seem like he can play a little bit too. So running back was something they absolutely had to address. Offensive line would be something that Gamble could certainly help them strengthen. But knowing what we know and do not know about the recruiting but also the roster – what is on the checklist for Neil Brown and Brian Bennett and the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator and wrapping this thing up? I think you're seeing it. Those three guys we just mentioned, obviously there was there were no running back commitments or signings uh, in December. Uh, and that is a big, big need. I think it's the biggest uh, for me in this class with the potential for uh, nah, I'm trying to remember the current roster off the top of my head. What are we down to? Three running backs, scholarship running backs for this fall: Brown, Mathis, and maybe Sinkfield. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, and you're not getting anybody in this recruiting class, running back is a priority, and you have to get somebody like that. So I think that's a that's a big need. Uh, offensive line, obviously, they're looking for somebody that could come in and start right away. Gamble was somebody they wanted. Maybe they still do. And Tyreek Stewart became a priority late because of gambles issues and Stewart can get in there with that extra year of eligibility and, and try to make a difference. And then linebacker, uh, the linebacker depth chart is uh, kind of sparse yeah. and it, there weren't, you know, they signed two quote unquote guys that were, weren't listed as linebackers. They listed it, I believe were they listed as bandits or were they listed as uh, edge? I think is what it was in the press release from the school in Linnell Carr and Torres Simmons and not really seeing a lot of like the true linebacker types. And so I think getting somebody like Watkins and maybe a couple of the other targets on the board is, is important to finish out this class. You posted on our board uh, yesterday morning, the stark realities of the transfer portal and the number of people who, you know, are in, who haven't moved on, who have pulled their names out. And today that number is, it's kind of riveting because the players are in there. For themselves and to get themselves to a better destination it's obviously not working out i do think though that come thursday morning it's going to be refreshed significantly coaches are going to be going in there and saying all right got this guy didn't get this guy this person's not going to qualify um, not everywhere will that happen but certainly there's going to be schools in need west virginia is going to be one of them is there help for the roster in the portal there will be i can't say there's are, are certain guys, you know, I've listed off a few of them. And as we're talking um, right now, I see some news coming down about a couple of my targets, like Stanford offensive lineman, Devery Hamilton, who mm-hmm. was probably the biggest um, target on the board. And he will not be coming to West Virginia. He is going to Duke, which Stanford Duke kind of makes sense that he's going to stick in that same vein of an academic school. But um if Gamble's not working out, offensive line, it, I would bet, I, I would bet some good money that that will be a main focus in the transfer portal for West Virginia this spring. That offensive line will be the top priority. Hmm. You don't think so? You, 
Well, you would hope so. Not even yeah. think so. But okay. so. They're gonna they're gonna have to have a body there. But just your your conviction there was impressive. <laughs> I want to read a text to you really quickly before we go here. Oh God. So, again, I don't want to give away too many secrets here or how we get, like I said, over, around, and under the wall. But busy weekend on campus, as you had laid out on our site, with a lot happening here as we get toward the finish line. And, you know, rounds around, and he's talking to people, and people love to talk to us. Um, So this came across yesterday. Are you ready? Give it to me. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase here because I think there might be some incrimination here if I get too detailed, but Neil Brown spoke enthusiastically about the 2021 class and said it could be the best in school history and a top 20 overall in the country. Top 20, eh? Yeah. I don't write the stories. I just read the texts. But... We get so fixated on 2020. Um, this past weekend was a lot of 2021 work. Um, that's really the year where they're going to be able to cash and chips and relationships they've built while they've been on the ground here in West Virginia. You know, they, I think, planted the seeds for a long-term view of the program and the process of the climb, if you will. And it, that 2021 class is when they can really kind of reap their rewards and everything, too. Um I'm not saying do you agree or disagree because there's only three kids in the list, I think, right now. But they are aiming pretty high. They have added two assistant coaches who can help in certain areas and have expertise. They're going to have some good momentum if they indeed, let's just say they flip around their record. They go seven and five or eight and four this year, get to a bowl game, win a bowl game. A lot could happen, too. But what is the potential for 2021? Uh, My first thought is they're going to have to back up a lot of this talk because this has been going on for a while, even when I was talking to some capital S sources back in October, November, you know, still trying to get information on the class of 2020, talking about how they were going to finish with that class. It was already being laid out to me that this isn't the class that's going to wow everybody. It's 2021. They were already thinking this like, and, you know, to hear them openly, you know, that's what they're saying in private. So to hear them, uh, you know, Neil Brown, Semi-openly, I'm assuming this was probably at some event that's for donors or, or whatever it was. Or, but saying it openly that, that that's the one that they're going to make that they're, they're going to try to make a huge splash with that class tells me that they feel extremely confident in that. And I mean, they are certainly putting in the work. The number of recruits that were here in January, uh, big time recruits that were here yeah. in January, um, is wildly impressive. It's it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Now, granted. In the past, uh, they could spread out these visits a little more because February was not a dead period. This year will be the first year of this February dead period. So kids could come over the over the course of the entire spring, all the way from January through May. Uh, now they cannot come in February, so it was a little more uh, compressed. But that visitor list, you look down and it's just four-star, four-star, four-star uh, kids that, with offers from everybody in the country. And everyone's coming out with a glowing review of their relation, not just uh, standard. Hey, I like West Virginia. It was a good visit. Uh, facilities are nice. Yeah, blah. It was, it's a family atmosphere. There's something special going on. There were multiple recruits this past weekend alone and in past weekends too, but they were saying, we see something extremely special at West Virginia. I see good things happening. I see a bright future. I see 
great relationships with this staff. And I think it's it, some of this confidence that this coaching staff has is also wearing or, or not wearing on rubbing off on these recruits and making an impact as well. So I think one, you know, they're putting in the work and then they got to close on it and they're off to a good start. So I, I'm interested to see how it goes, but it, it's, uh, that's the first time you've read that text to me. And it kind of caught me off guard. Cause like I said, they've been saying this privately for three or four months, but for now it's to start coming out like, Hey, no, seriously, we're going to do something big in 2021. You got to back it up now. Now it's out there. This is terrific. <laughs> I live for stuff like this. What we have just done, we have started the whisper campaign. And yes. What's happened is the little, the, the mobile trailers that they have right now, they've, they've blown up the push car center and all the people who work really hard in the social media stuff and the digital stuff are recruiting or working out of trailers um so like somebody there is listening to this podcast and is saying oh shoot guys we got the audio we need and it's going to be clipped and it's going to be sent out in dms and they're going to be like hey you should be a part of this class listen to the way the media is talking about this class and how it's coming together you should be a part of it we've started we fell for it we are the whisper campaign chris oh my god uh, an unintended shill for for wvu here i am Oh, oh i feel so silly I, I, I the words are coming out of my mouth now and my face is turning red because I, I swore i would never Get manipulated like this but one text on a sunday can get me uh can get me all in out of sorts right now too let's uh let's close on this too two new names for the coaching staff it's hard for um coons and parker to make a splash immediately because it's so late in the recruiting game i mean there is time between when they were hired and today or excuse me tomorrow the signing day but um they can still get out there and do stuff um what do you see what do you hear about how west virginia's new linebacker and well, offensive coordinator, linebackers coach and offensive coordinator are faring so far. So Parker's connections are going to be a lot with the 2021 class. I wrote about that when he was hired, that his his big connection, it was wild. Just if you go to the top targets for West Virginia that they had already offered at wide receiver for the class of 2021, every single guy on that list had a Penn State offer and had Parker as the lead recruiter, which I think could pay big dividends for West Virginia in this 2021 class, as, as we're talking about them having to live up to these high expectations. And he also played a big part in getting that, that second or the first wide receiver commit, but the second one in the class of 2021, Andrew Wilson lamp, because he had gotten an offer from the previous staff connected with uh, Travis Trickett, the area recruiter and inside receivers coach. But it was that conversation that he had with Parker during his junior day visit two weekends ago that solidified his thoughts on West Virginia and resulted in his commitment a couple of days later. As for Coons, he's going to get started on 2021. I know he's already talked to a lot of recruits, but if West Virginia is able to pull um, Hillcrest linebacker Eddie Watkins from down there in Alabama, part of that is going to be because of Coons. Mm-hmm. Now, Watkins visited, officially visited before Coons was hired. This he visited back in December, but Coons went in home with him with Al Pogue, who is and Pogue is his uh, lead recruiter. But Coons kind of stepped right in there, and Watkins really talked up that the bond that he built with Coons in that short amount of time. Loved hearing what he had to say, and he had already been in touch with him when from when Coons was at Ole Miss. So they were not strangers to each other. 
And if West Virginia can pull Watkins, Coons should get a, a good little bit of credit there for that. And he'll also be on a couple of these other late potential 2020 guys like James Thomas, like Jordan Ingram. We'll see what happens with them. I don't know if either of them will sign or if they'll even commit to West Virginia, but they all kind of gave West Virginia this second look in part because of Coons. I feel like that has to be on your CV resume now, too, where you recruit, what junior colleges you know, what states you can get into. If you're going to be a coach, how do you apply for a job? I don't know that they actually do that like on Indeed or Monster, but, boy, you better be able to talk about a junior college conference, a region, uh, a pipeline or something like that because um, really significant in the hiring process now. Yeah, absolutely. One more text for you, Chris. Uh, no. Um, capital S. Sources saying, this was our best show yet, and a lot of people should listen to us. <laughs> Again, I don't write them. I just read them, okay? Uh, am I now a promoter for – I guess I am a promoter for this podcast as well. You're setting me up to, to just be everybody's show today. I like it. We're starting a second whisper campaign here, and I'm going to see if I can go put out the other one before it gets too far ahead. Uh, <laughs> it got me. It got me. A late-night text on a Sunday, and I, I definitely played the part that I wanted right. to. You got anything else, like Chris? You've explained everything here. Is there anything else left up your sleeves? No, I think uh, yeah, I'll go into a little more detail about it on their site uh, with for our VIP members. And and please, if you are listening to this and you're not a VIP member, we are running. I, I, I'll be very blunt here. I was actually kind of ticked off that they ran this again because we just ran it a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and if you need you need to jump on this deal, 60 percent off an annual VIP package. And it, when you're listening to this one year from Monday, is signing day for next year. So this deal actually covers both signing days. Yeah. Um, it's lucky the way that works out for you guys. Uh, so jump on it now. Why it's 60% off. You only got a couple days left. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll be, you'll get a lot more coverage recruiting, basketball, football, baseball, everything in between an entire year for $40. So jump on it now. That's all watch, I got. Watch them build and finish the greatest recruiting class in school history. And remember where you heard it first. That's all for this time. We'll talk to you next time. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.